Thank you for joining us on the Access Podcast. Today, on our Bible in Context series, we will be studying Colossians 1, verses 21 through 29. Hey, today in the Bible in Context, I got Alec and Bethany here with me. We're going to be going through the end of Colossians 1, finishing it up today, and I'm really excited. We are going to have a, uh, a dynamic thrilling conversation on Colossians 1, 21 dun, through dun, dun. 29. So thrilling. It's going to be great. So here, as we set it up, hopefully you caught the first two episodes. If you hadn't, go back and listen to those because it'll set up this, this passage in this talk. But to kind of do a quick overview of the cultural context, one of the reasons we're doing the Bible in context is to really become biblically literate, meaning that we're able to understand and read the Bible and take away the truth that it is teaching us. You know, <laughs> how so many times we can read into the Bible, meaning we have what we believe and then we find what we believe in the Bible instead of allowing the Bible to teach us. So that's why we're doing this is so that we can grow in our understanding of the Bible so it can mold and shape us into the person God's created us to be, to challenge us, to inspire us, to grow in our relationship to Christ and our devotion to Him. And so let's get into it. Colossians 1, 21 through 29. This is, uh, is going to be a fun conversation. This, uh, this, these uh, nine verses are power-packed. A whole lot of good theology, encouragement, uh, challenging for us. And it is a beautiful, beautiful passage of Scripture. And so as we dive into it, Kind of the cultural context is you have the Gnosticism, which is uh, theology in, in the in the in the city of Colossae that was saying that Christ was more of like a spirit. He was more of like an angel, and he wasn't God himself. And then you have the Jewish legalism, which were enforcing the Jewish customs, the food laws, the feast laws, the 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 holidays, and were really a form of outward uh, righteousness instead of a righteousness that came through faith, which Paul was preaching, in which. Epaphras, who was the guy who was visiting Paul in prison, was preaching. So Paul wrote this letter from prison. He had never gone to Colossae, and he's he's really just challenging and encouraging this church in this passage. So let's dive into it. Uh, verses 21 through 23, we're going to focus on first. This is kind of his transition moment from the poem, uh, verses 15 through 20, the transition into uh, really talking about his role. So Paul's explaining his role in the church and his suffering. So here we go. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, and yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy, blameless, and above reproach. If indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. So here we are. Um, Alec and Bethany are just going to be chiming in, kind of bringing in like real life, real world application, just how it's really this, these scriptures are, are, are hitting them right now and in their study. But I want to first uh, focus in on verse 21. This idea that although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. This is essential to the gospel. Like Paul is not mixing words here. He's 
He's saying you were formerly alienated. It's kind of like that passage in Romans. It says, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. It's that we were alienated. Like, remember, the whole book of Colossians is about the supremacy of Christ and the idea of new creation and really setting up this idea that we were alienated. We were separated. There was a gap between us and God, us and Christ. We were engaged in evil deeds. We were lost in our sin. And here comes Christ in verse 22. And yet he has now reconciled you. Remember, that's that buying back, the bringing back, the returning to original design. So God is, we were alienated. Whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, you were alienated from God. But Christ is bringing you back to original design, which is in perfect relationship with Christ. We are imputed or given God's righteousness or Christ's righteousness so that we can be the human that God designed us to be from the beginning. In order to, so Christ has reconciled us, verse 22, in his fleshly body through death, meaning that Christ had to die, right? To pay the price or to uh, take our place, take the punishment that we deserved in order to present you, which is all of us, before him, who's God, holy, blameless, and above reproach. Powerful, powerful stuff. So let's pause there and let's have a kind of like a real talk here on how Christians, we, we I've been in ministry for four years, it's not super long, but I, I've really seen how the church really hasn't on a, on a full scale really accepted their identity identity that Christ has given us, given them and given us. I fall into it myself and we often can fault into striving and earning and acting, which is necessary because we have to, right? We have to bear fruit. We have to bear good fruit. But this idea here in, in Colossians one twenty two is so important in my mind, which is where Christ is presenting us. We're not presenting ourselves. You know what I'm saying? Like, we often love to conquer, whether it's sin, whether it's addiction, which we need to. And don't hear me wrong. Like, we, but the true freedom in Christ, in the, tr- the true gospel, is that we were given everything without lifting a finger. So Christ through faith, we put our faith and trust in the message of the gospel and the supremacy of Christ. And we're taking all of our life and we're placing it underneath the supremacy of Christ. That's what being a Christian is. It's not saying a prayer. It's not attending church. It's placing your life under the supremacy of Christ and his word. And then order, and then when we do that, and when God regenerates us and, and, and we are born again by the spirit and the grace of God, he then presents us to God and says, here's my son, here's my daughter. In the same way that God would view Christ, he now views everyone who comes to him through Christ. Which is difficult because I got some baggage mm-hmm. and that I haven't forgotten it yet. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Alec doesn't have any baggage, but, no, you know. perfect Alec. No. Bummer. <laughs> Just kidding. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> But we often, you know, we remember our past. We remember our struggles. We remember our shortcomings. But Christ is saying here that 
he presents us holy, which is like holy, meaning like white washed in snow, sin forgiven, we're clean, we're brought back to Adam and Eve in the garden where we are wa- like able to have relationship and communion with a holy God. Because a holy God can't have a relationship with an unholy person because he would kill us. The, the, the analogy we like to give is like the sun. Like God's holiness is like the sun, although it gives us life. If you get close to the sun, you'll, it'll consume you. But as, as God's holy, but he makes us holy through Christ, through grace. So he presents us holy, blameless, meaning that he's not blaming us, right? He's, it, it, we're, we're, he's not accusing us. He's not holding our trespasses against us and beyond reproach, beyond reproach. So do you guys have any comments? Otherwise, I'm going to keep going. No, I think it's just basically saying, you know, oftentimes we're our own stumbling block. We're the ones saying there, but Lord, but no, you, you don't understand. Like I did, I did this. I, I, I don't, I don't deserve whatever. I need, I need to work towards this. I need to do extra volunteering. I need to do all this to get back in your good graces. And he's just standing there and he's like, no, you're, you're, you're my son. You're my daughter. You, you don't need to win my affection. I'm, I'm giving it to you freely. You just need to accept it. That's all I got. Absolutely. Kind of reminds me of like the abiding, you know, like yeah. we're, we're John 15, Christ is talking and he's like, if you abide in me and my word abide, abides in you, you will bear much fruit. And this is kind of like the idea of this is that Christ loves his church. He loves, right, really his brothers and sisters, but the father loves his sons and daughters in that Christ is our greatest advocate. And he's presenting us to the Father on his on his behalf. And we get that. Like we don't have to we don't have to clean ourselves up. We do have to place ourselves underneath the supremacy of Christ, which will clean us up. Because taste and see that the Lord is good. Right? It's this idea that once you taste that freedom in Christ, that peace. That you don't have to please people. You don't have to earn, like, right? Because we all love to earn other people's affection and win people over and have all these things that we we love to get affection from people. But when we learn to come underneath the supremacy of Christ and learn that Christ is making us new and that that is our prize, but that's our treasure, that's when things start changing because now you're seeking first the kingdom instead of seeking first an idea of the kingdom that you have because of our humanity. You know, it's really coming underneath the Lordship of Christ. So it says in verse 23, if you indeed, indeed, you continue in the faith established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed. And that's where I'd say right there, not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you have heard. It's directly relating to these ideologies that are coming against uh, the church. And what I'll say here is that the, the temptation and the false teachings will come from within the church, but it's often disguised from, like false teaching is not blatantly false. Like the devil is not using overt like ideas to, to deceive the church. It's usually just little changes in theology, little changes in truth that gets the church outside of, you could say, outside of under the will of God and the truth of Scripture. So just being, being 
you could say wise about what teaching we're allowing to come into our lives, whether it's from a secular person or whether it's from someone in the church just being really mindful and stewarding our belief and our relationship with God very, very wisely. So not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation. You've heard that before, right? That's not all creation as in all the earth. It's saying in the whole Roman Empire, right? The gospel was proclaimed under heaven and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. So uh, a minister is basically a, is a servant. And so <laughs> kind of the thing that I, I, I say is, you know, as a, as a pastor, I'm a minister. And oftentimes in Christian culture in America, pastors can, can become very egotistical and they can love influence and they can love the notoriety and they can love crafting beautiful uh, messages they can post on YouTube and podcast and, <laughs> and Instagram. And really what it comes down to is, is a minister. We're all made to minister. It's not a vocational. It's not whether or not you're a pastor or a church staff member. So I don't need a degree to be a minister. You do not need a degree okay. to be a minister. Are you sure? That was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to read your sarcasm over podcast. But we're all made to be ministers. Now, Paul was specifically called for a specific mission, which was to be an evangelist and to be an apostle to the nations. But we're all cor- called to be servants of the gospel, servants of the word of God and servants to our communities and to our families. And that's the beautiful thing that which Paul will get to in verse 27 and 28, which really ties into that. So let's keep reading. Uh, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I do share or I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. This is confusing guys. I not gonna lie, like this type of this this thing is like, what are you even saying, Paul? Like you're filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions? What is that what does that even mean? Uh, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh I do my share. So do you guys have any initial thoughts on that? Only confusion. Only confusion? Hey, it's okay to be confused sometimes, Alan. You don't have to have the answers all the time. That's good to know. Do you have any thoughts? You don't have to have, they don't have to be right. We can just model like conversation and kind of working through it together. (laughs) Yeah, I totally understand. So now I rejoice in my sufferings because the Bible, it it says throughout like rejoice when you're persecuted. But um, when he talks about filling up what is lacking, what does that mean? What are your thoughts? Filling up, I guess maybe he's taking (laughs) maybe more than his share of like the persecution like maybe he's suffering for like more than because I guess everybody has to go through like persecution. Like the Bible says you will be persecuted, but maybe he's taking on a lot of persecution because he feels like other people aren't. I don't know. Hmm. So from the amplified version, they add just a little a little snippet. Um, it says, now I rejoice in my sufferings on your behalf and with my own body, I supplement whatever is lacking on our part of Christ's afflictions on behalf of his body, which is the church. So that gives a little bit of emphasis to confusion on my part. <laughs> I don't know if that helped us, Bethany. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so I don't, I don't have a, a direct answer to this. Um, I do have a thought. And so this thought could be wrong. If you're listening to this podcast and you think we're wrong and you have the right answer, just DM us on Instagram or something or text me if you have a number. But 
I'm, I'm thinking of when Paul gets called, right? When Paul gets called an axe. Christ tells him that you are going to suffer, right? More than really anyone. Because, not, not that Christ is paying him back, but because Paul was the one persecuting Christians and killing Christians, Christ comes to him and says, you're going to suffer almost more than anyone for my sake, right? Not that that's like a punishment, because really it's a benefit to him. And what, I, what I'd say is my, you could say, application or my understanding of this pa- specific passage, which is in filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions. There's an, there's an idea that when, we, when you truly proclaim the message of Christ, it will offend people and we will be persecuted. And kind of the idea that I'm that I'm getting from this is that there are, is a lack of courage in the church at the time. And Paul's saying other people aren't doing saying it, right? Other people, we talked earlier, like opposing the Roman Empire. Like other people aren't opposing the Roman Empire. I am. And he's saying we all should be doing it, but I'm filling up what is lacking hmm. because of the, the commission that Christ has given me, which is to suffer for the gospel's sake. So he knows his mission, which is to proclaim the gospel even in the midst of persecution, pain, imprisonment, right? All these things. And he's saying, listen, I wish we all would be doing this. I wish we all would be suffering, not because he wants them to suffer, but because he knows what it means. It means that we're not holding back and stepping away, but it means we're advancing the message of the gospel together. But he's saying, in the meantime, while y'all are getting your stuff figured out and really growing in your relationship with Christ, I'll fill up what's lacking on your part. So it's not a, like a, it's not a, like, I don't read it as a, he's attacking them. He's saying like, I'll do it to inspire you until you're ready. You know, I'll do it until you're ready. It's a sacrificial, in a sense, uh, it's a leadership. It's, it's Paul leading the church saying, this is what it looks like to be courageous with a message in the face of opposition and in the face of really uh, fear of being hurt and abandoned and lied about and reputation ruined and all the fears that come along with uh, opposing the cultural norms. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes a lot more sense than reading it by myself. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. That That makes a lot of sense. So he's saying like, this is the church. Christ is the head. We are the body. We're all together. We're one body. There's not multiple bodies. There's not, there's one body. There's one head of the church, which is Christ. Verse 25 of this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit so that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. The word of God. What is the word of God? Uh Uh-oh. We just opened up a can. <laughs> so he's fully carrying out the preaching of the word of God. I don't think we're going to have a clear answer. I just no. really want to bring up the fact that there's multiple definitions of the word of God. And the word of God is scripture. But the word of God, John 1, is also Christ. He's the word made mm-hmm. flesh. flesh. And you have the logos, which is the written word, but you also are the the scribed word, or you have the rhema, which is the living word, which Christ used or God used to create. And so 
when I read this, so I fully might, uh, I, I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. It, it's a, it's a statement of, I'm not backing down. I'm not backing down because of fear. I'm not going to back down because I'm going to offend people or I might get hurt or I might get right. Canceled, canceled yeah. culture. He's saying, I'm not, I'm fully preaching the word of God. I'm not holding anything back. The, 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 the wisdom of scripture, the truth found in the old Testament to the new Testament, the narrative that God's sharing about humanity, sin, righteousness, and life after death and salvation. All of that is I will preach it fully, not holding anything back, even if it puts me in prison, right? Even if it puts me, it's the, it's the holistic teaching, the holistic narrative that God's written in the scriptures up into this point. So let's keep moving. Verse 26, that is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested. So, so the word of God, preaching the word of God, that is. So this is it, is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. For this purpose I also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. So let's go to verse uh, 20. So it's talking about this mystery, right? That is the mystery which has been hidden from past generations, verse 26, but has now been manifested, um, not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, this mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. I like how it's a, how he talks about, I see, here we go, to whom God willed. So it was God's will for man to know, obviously, that, like he's talking about Christ, like generations before had not gotten this gift that is Christ in them. But now that Christ came, like the mystery is revealed that like he came and we get to know him. We get to have him inside us. And that is the hope. Like he is the hope of glory in us when he is living in inside of us. We get to have that, that calling. Yeah. Because he is now like manifested. Like we see him, he died for us. We have him inside of us. And now we have the chance to pursue God's kingdom, which is the hope of glory. Hmm. Which generations before didn't have that because Jesus obviously didn't come and die on the cross. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful mystery to be revealed. And I think it, it, it plays into redemption and salvation. And it's just, it's just the idea that God, the mystery was, how is God going to redeem? Because the mystery is to the Israelites, right? It's, it's, the mystery was to the Jewish people because they were the ones that were carrying the story. They were the ones that were carrying God's uh, plan and was carrying the messianic promise. So the mystery was, how is God going to redeem the world? How is God going to do this? And they thought it was going to be through army. And the Jewish people thought it was going to be through force and through setting up an actual kingdom. And the mystery was, how is God going to do it? And then here he comes. Christ is the mystery. Christ now, he comes and he lives, does the miracles, dies on the cross, resurrects. And he says, lo, I will be with you until the, until the end of the world. He says, I'm going to send my spirit with you. He will be with you forever. So the, the mystery was God's not setting up a physical kingdom. He's setting up a spiritual kingdom, which is a body, 
which anyone and everyone can be a part of. This new multi-ethnic, multi-generational family, which Christ is the head, and Christ will be our leader, the supremacy of Christ, and he will make you new, whether you're a Roman, whether you're in Colossae, Ephesus, Philippi, whatever, you're in America, you're in Argentina, you're in Thailand, you're in South Korea, wherever you're at, Christ can be in you and make you part of this family, and there's a hope, right? When you're part of Christ, the same way he resurrected, the hope that you'll be resurrected even after you die, it eliminates fear of death. Like the gospel eliminates the fear of death. It eliminates, right? We still grieve when people die, but it eliminates a part of that because Christ has given us a hope of an eternal glory, which he's making all things new and he'll resurrect the dead and resurrect those who are in Christ. And as we kind of close here in verses 28 through 29, He says, we proclaim him, admonishing every man. Meaning like, this is like, we proclaim Christ. And we are doing whatever we can to teach every man in all wisdom so that we can present them fully mature in Christ. We're not trying to create cool people. We're not trying to create, right, the the next fad. The only thing that Paul's doing is like, we want Christ to be the leader of every home. We want men and women to be mature in Christ, not, not, not in tune with all the fads and all the trends, but to be in tune with the values and the leadership and in the ruling of Christ. And it's only in that that we can have true freedom. And Paul ends and says, for this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, and uh, which mightily works in me. Is that when we come underneath the supremacy of Christ, we get the benefit and the grace of having God's power working in us and not working in our own power. So that's the end of uh, Colossians 1. I hope it, it, it enriched your view of this passage and that you were able to uh, have a little bit deeper dive and deeper understanding of what Paul and what God is teaching us through these scriptures. And uh, as, we, as you leave here, I encourage you to read through it again on your own and not just to listen to a podcast about it, but to be a, a just like what Paul says in, in 28, that you would, uh, you would be mature and you'd be complete in Christ as you study and grow in his word. So this has been the Bible in Context, Colossians 1. Keep on the lookout for our next episode on uh, Bible in Context for Colossians 2. It's going to be great. I think we're doing two episodes in Colossians 2. It's going to be fun. So thanks again for, for checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe and follow our Instagram page for more content. We'll see you guys on Thursday night.